0: Howdy, folks. Welcome to another episode of the Wildlife For You podcast. I'm Stephanie Payne, along with my partner, Daryl Radajak, talking about wildlife and conservation in ways that make sense. In our last podcast, we talked about some great adaptations that help animals survive the brutality of winter, and that easily segued us to tonight's topic. But before that, in our last podcast, we may have had a few missteps.
1: Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Whoa there, Missy. Uh, You're not bringing up my north-facing jumping fox? Uh, Well,
0: you know, you did say that foxes face true north when they pounce, and that's not entirely correct. In actuality, when a fox faces in a northeasterly direction, they're successful on about 75, excuse me, 73% of their attempts. So in about three out of four tries, though, they do capture their prey. You can even spin that box around 180 degrees, so then they want to be facing uh, southwest. Even then, they're successful something like 60% of the time. But you turn those little buggers sideways, and they're facing like more east or west, and their pouncing skills fly right out the window. You know, the success rate then drops to something like 18%. And I need you to keep in mind, I had to do research because of this. but um, But this was recorded by a bevy of biologists documenting something like, 600 mousing attempts by 84 foxes. So, you know, it was a pretty stout sample size.
1: So, wait a second. Let me get this straight. You were correcting me because I said true north as opposed to northeasterly?
0: You know, well, we do want to get the science right, Dee. And just because I'm on a roll, caribou feet click, not their knees.
1: (laughs) Okay. I I agree with you there. We do want to get the science right. Um, Miss Snowhill Crane... (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh, you caught that, huh?
0: I am I'm so embarrassed. So, you know, I listen to every podcast after we're done. And when I was listening to the playback last week, I turned totally red because I heard myself getting tongue-tied when I was trying to say Sandhill Crane, flubbed it, called them snowhill cranes. Um, I promise I do not see snow hills flying over my Tennessee backyard.
1: Well, I'm glad you did catch that because I caught it too after you told me about it, actually. <laughs> but no worries. <laughs> I'll forgive your flub if you forgive mine.
0: Deal, deal. But it is important that we keep each other you know, on our toes so that we're always bringing the
1: best science to our listeners. Agreed. And uh, what I'd like to chime in here is that if there's any listener out there that ever catches us saying something scientifically incorrect, please, please let us know. Um, As long as you're not contacting us and and reaching out to us uh, and telling us about black panthers or cougars running all over the eastern states, you're good (laughs) to catch us and and correct us. But we we literally want you to to proof what we tell you. If you find something different, then by all means, let us know. But already, then, where were we? Um, I don't even think we introduced today's topic yet. So, Steph, you want to tell everyone what it is?
0: No, no. Go ahead, Dee. Why don't you tell
1: them? Okay, but um before I get into today's topic, can you do me a favor? <laughs> I was taking a look at the Facebook page the other day and I read something that blew me away. So can you tell me how in the world do you come to have a woodchuck pelt? I saw that post I, I saw that post on, on the page and given your extreme admiration for those critters Tell me you're not turning into like a Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. All right, fine. All right. So, you know, I was I
0: was on my way home from a business trip one day and it was like it was like a four hour drive. And I was literally fifteen minutes from home when I get this phone call from a bud who lives an hour away. Like like an hour prior, I had passed right by his town. And he was like, you know, hey, you still you still wishing you had a groundhog? And I'll admit. I said, yes. And he said, well, can you come now? Um And I was like, oh, geez, 15 minutes from home, just passed by. Anyway, after whining, I said, you know, all right, fine. I can after I change because I'm, I'm almost home now. And he's like, OK, well, you know, I'll give you three, but I need two of them back. And I'm all like, "Uh, why? Why give them to me in the first place if you want them back? Why not just keep those two, you know, and, you know, two release in a safe area um anyhow overlooking my raging hypocrisy for just a second he says because my freezer's on the fritz which is why you need to come now (laughs) and i'm all freezer you know what the what
1: are they he says
0: says, well i shot three but they won't keep because my freezer's broken and i remember yelling like no this friendship thing dude you are doing it all wrong but anyway so i I did. I turned around and I, I drove up and I put all three carcasses on ice and I, I brought them back and I, I cured and tanned all three pelts and I returned to just as promised.
1: Well, that that's an awesome story. And believe it or not, it reminded me of a quick story of mine that I got to tell you because I had a similar situation. It was actually a Thanksgiving day, oh, probably about 10 years ago. When a buddy of mine called me up and he said, Hey man, did you see the cougar that was killed on the side of the road? (laughs) And I said, what? And he's like, yeah, over by the Shell gas station, there's a cougar laying in the ditch. And so me obviously wanting proof of these things i buzz over there so now i have this most luxurious bobcat pelt that drinks <laughs> off the back of my couch so
0: <laughs> and we anyway. should note that that was 10 years ago so that's when you were still in tennessee and finding a yes. cougar carcass in tennessee that would have been a hua moment oh so. yeah
1: yeah uh, thanks for pointing that out because if someone said that to me here in New Mexico, there was probably a cougar laying in the ditch. <laughs> yep. Yep. So okay, let's get back to today's podcast. So what we want to do today is is something a little bit different. We're gonna we're gonna talk sciencey stuff. And what we wanna do is introduce what we call a scientific principle, and it's called Bergman's rule. And I should tell everyone first kind of what we mean by rule, because I I did say it was Bergman's rule. And so let me define rule first. And so let's kind of set the stage here. And let's think about those hard sciences like chemistry or, say, physics. And those sciences, when you're dealing with those hard sciences, we're dealing with laws. And, And hard
0: doesn't mean the difficulty level. It's more like the rigidity of the science because of empirical data.
1: Yeah. And thanks for bringing that up. Um, so in, in chemistry and physics, uh, ugh, I'm getting tongue tied in chemistry and physics, we have these things that are called laws and, and those things tend to be more concrete and they can't be broken. So for example, uh, you know, that guy with that long curly white hair, Newton, he developed this thing called Newton's law of gravity. And so if you drop an apple it's always going to fall down towards the center of the earth. And that's due to earth's gravitational pull. In other words, as long as there's no other outside forces at play, like you don't have a twister from the Wizard of Oz that's carrying houses and apples away. If you drop an apple, it doesn't one day decide to fall upwards. And so that's literally the concept behind laws. They're, they're not meant to be broken, or, or they, they're, they're usually never broken. Or should I say, they are never broken. And a lot of it has to do with the whole math and physics behind things. So we are going to be talking about Bergman's rule today. It's not Bergman's law, it's Bergman's rule. So rules, on the other hand, they're often what we find in biology. And think of them kind of like a general rule of thumb. And so in most cases, rules will hold firm, but every once in a while, there could be exceptions to the rule. So now that we have that straight between what is a law and what is a rule, Steph, do you want to explain to everyone what Bergman's rule is all about? Oh, sure. Yeah. So Bergman's rule, it's it's an
0: eco-geographical rule, which states that for endotherms within a broadly distributed taxonomic clade... Populations and species of a larger physical size are found in colder environments, while, you know, those populations and species of a smaller physical size, those are found at the warmer regions.
1: That, my friend, was biologinese at its best. (laughs) Total total geek speak there.
0: I I agree. I agree. Okay, fine. So essentially, Bergman's rule is saying that if you have a warm-blooded species that lives in a big geographic span where, you know, some live way farther towards the poles, the colder that climate gets, the larger the specimens within that species get. And I'll use both my favorite cats, tigers and cougars, as examples. Cougars that live in the far north in, say, British Columbia. They're generally of a larger physical size than their Texas cousins. And similarly, the Amur tiger, which is everybody knows it as the Siberian tiger, lives in a super cold climate. And it's typically much larger than the Bengals or Indian tigers.
1: All right. I've following you there. It's a great example. It's pretty much an overseas example. So let me think of another great example. Cougar. No cougar. Calling all cougar. I was paying more attention to your Bengal tiger as I was thinking about it in my head. So um, you you are correct there. But let's think of another more. Okay. How many people have seen a cougar? Probably not many. So a more common example that we can come up with, um, it's a species we all know and love because it's not only that they're really cool looking but they actually taste really really great
0: you had better not be getting ready to talk about woodchucks there pal
1: <laughs> that's not what i was thinking but now that i didn't mention it eee. anyway you, you know i'm just teasing their stuff i would never even think of eating those little rodent fur balls that you've come to know and love. anyway what i was thinking about is more along the lines of white-tailed deer And it's one of the most common and well-known critters in all of North America. Agreed. So you agree they're tasty?
0: (laughs) Oh, I mean, well, yes, but I I agree that they're common and well-known.
1: All right. Well, good, because that's literally what's going to help us explain a little bit more about Bergman's rule. Yeah? How so? All right. So since deer are so common, and most people know about it uh, and have seen them, let's pretend we could call up a lifetime resident of Florida, say someone who lives maybe down near the Florida keys. We give them a call on the phone and we ask them whether or not they've ever like seen them or know anything about white tailed deer or better yet. What we do is we ask them to describe what an adult white tailed deer looks like. Odds are stuff. I bet you they'd say, Oh yeah, they're pretty cute. Uh, they're about maybe two and a half feet tall and probably weigh 50 or 60 pounds. Now, say we then get off the phone, we call another friend and say we call someone uh, from up in Canada, maybe like way up north, like in Manitoba.
0: Oh, you're not going to start speaking Canadian again, <laughs> are you?
1: No way. Eh? Anyway, oh. <laughs> we, we asked that person the exact same th- question. We ask them whether or not they have seen deer and can you describe them? Odds are, I bet you, Steph, they're going to start talking about these pretty hefty animals that stand maybe close to four feet at the shoulder and would probably tip the scales well over 200 pounds. So Florida comparison versus Manitoba, Canada comparison. You see the difference?
0: Yes, yes, so the northern whitetail you know it's literally four times the size or body mass of its southern cousin, yet it's the exact same
1: species so did I good do good with that example
0: Yes, yes, very good, actually. So question d: are there species exceptions to the rule let me let me just rephrase that because that, that that didn't come out right. How the heck do African and
1: Asian elephants fit into this rule? Uh, you're trying to stump me, but <laughs> that is a great question. And it shows how curiosity is literally what drives science. I mean, you and I don't have all the answers. And so often when me and you are talking, our conversations lead us to learning more and researching. Look look what you did today with, or at least the last couple of days with my, my error with those North facing Fox. It, It led you to research more, which is actually why I love our friendship. So Let me ask you, what does your instinct say about the the elephant?
0: Uh, Well, you know, okay, African elephants, they're taller,
1: they're lankier, um, they have bigger ears. Which means Bergman's rule has some overlap with Alan's rule, maybe?
0: Ah, you know, good point. And Alan's rule, my dear listeners, is that a body form or a shape, it's more linear in warm climates and more rounded and compact in cold climates because round forms
1: just have, you know, smaller surface to area volume ratio. And there goes the genes again. So can we explain that in English now? <laughs> I, I thought I did. <laughs> Maybe your brain, but my brain's a whole lot simpler than yours
0: fine okay so it means that animals that are more equatorial that they tend to have longer appendages than animals in the north or south and they kind of be they they tend to be more like linear tubular overall and it's mostly it's just due to thermodynamics and how animals retain or release heat from their bodies yeah it's again it's all about the math here and the amount of surface area to volume
1: i get it um so like big heavy guys like me (laughs)
0: You're not. You're not heavy. You're stocky.
1: <laughs> Thank you for that. But big, fat, heavy, stocky guys like me tend to do better in cold climates than someone who may be somewhat closer to you, long and gangly.
0: Yes, but before we offend any more people, let's just go ahead and stick to wildlife. But have you ever seen a spider monkey? Or wait, hold on, because you like to stick to North American animals and animals that are common in North America. Have you ever seen the jackrabbit?
1: Yes, tons of them i whenever I take my girls for a ride in the jeep, they're all around me here in the southwest.
0: okay, and what do those jackrabbits look like?
1: Well, besides being the size of a small dog that my dogs would they used to love to chase, but now they realize that they, <laughs> it's futile chasing a jackrabbit. anyway. those jackrabbits um they tend to have pretty long legs, well, at least for a rabbit um they're hairs actually, not rabbits. Do you always have to split hairs?
0: <laughs> I would never split a rabbit.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is like a bad episode of Who's on First. But you are correct. <laughs> they are actually hares. Jackrabbits are actually hares. And besides having really long legs, they, they tend to have pretty crazy long ears. They're so, so cool to see. They, exactly. And do you know what those really long ears are good for? <laughs> I don't know, maybe hearing.
0: All right, fine. Yeah, well, there's, you know, there's that. But anyway, they're also really good at dissipating heat. So in other words, those big ears, they actually help cool the rabbits off in those scorching, dry southwestern summers. Uh,
1: you know, it's a hare, not a rabbit.
0: <laughs> maybe it's the third base and that rabbit who's pitching.
1: <laughs> Just keeping you on your toes. Uh, before I go uh, any further, um, Now that you were mentioning or we were talking about the long ears on the rabbit and going back to what we said previously about the elephants, you wouldn't picture an elephant that might live closer to the equator having a real. it it kind of violates the Bergman's rule because it's a giant, giant animal. But when you look at the physique of the animal with its huge ears, that's one of the ways that it helps dissipate heat. And so that is where Allen's rule tends to be more at play, which allows them to survive in those warmer environments. So anyway, can you think of uh, any other examples of Allen's rule at work?
0: Foxes. If you, if you look at desert foxes, you know, they have huge ears and they're, they're very gangly and their overall body size is, is seemingly tiny in stature compared to their northern cousins.
1: Agreed. Um, but like we said, these are rules, not laws
0: um yeah and both take a little heat over simplification or over the. I can say this hold on both take a little heat for their oversimplification but that's you know kind of pretty cold of scholars see what I did there
1: yeah I did and it was terrible
0: (laughs) that's you know that's why you're the funny one and I'm 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 well I'm I'm the not so funny one I guess
1: (laughs) yeah don't be too hard on yourself I think you're pretty funny
0: That's because you laugh at me, not with (laughs) me. That is true. Okay, no, Sco, you were supposed to say, you like vehemently and wholeheartedly. I disagree with that.
1: (laughs) See, now that right there, now that's funny.
0: Okay, remind me again why we're
1: friends. (laughs) That's a good question. But with that, I'd like to, I'd like to remind everyone to subscribe to our podcast. And of course, follow us on our webpage at wildlife dot com, all spelled out. And of course, we do have those feeds on Twitter and Facebook. That's probably the best way to keep in touch with us. And so I think we're going to end early today. We're not even going to hit the 20-minute mark. So did I forget anything, Steph? I'm still not talking you to you. You just did. You know, uh, deep down, I'm not wrong. <laughs>
0: You, my friend, are as nutty as squirrel poo. I can be funny. <laughs>
1: well, we seem to be at the end, folks, so remember when it comes to wildlife.
0: Your knowledge is their existence, but can I make this hang up on you rudely, Probably. I think? oh.